your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the kingdom of light. Brothers and sisters, listen to this. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Please be seated. So, for the next three weeks, we are going to, to huddle up. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I was the, the quarterback our 8th grade flag football team, okay? So I know what a quarterback does in the huddle, okay? So when a quarterback gets into a huddle, what a quarterback does is he describes and clarifies the situation. He reminds his team that it's, you know, 4th and 25, and that we're going to, that this is what's going to happen right now. This is the situation that we're in. There's 10 seconds left on the clock, whatever it may be. The quarterback clarifies the situation for the team. Secondly, the quarterback will warn his team about trying to do to get us to stop whatever it is that we want to do. And third, uh, the quarterback will call the play. This is what we are going to do. And what I see this next three weeks being is, is gathering us together and clarifying our situation. Most of us still aren't here together physically, but it's my hope that all of us will have this sense of us huddling up together as I try with God's help to clarify the situation that we're in. And what I want to do is I want us to focus on the next three weeks is I want to try to point out longings that each of us have in our hearts that are being frustrated right now because of the situation that we're in. So I want to name the longings of our hearts that are being frustrated right now. What God is doing in this time is revealing to us the way that we have been fulfilling the longings that we have in our hearts with things that are not from Him. There is only one who can ultimately fulfill the longings and desires that He has given to us. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in each person's heart. St. Augustine said, You have made me for yourself, O God, and my heart is restless until it rests in you. There is a longing for eternal things in us. And when we seek to fill those longings with temporary things, then there's something missing. God himself, his presence is available to us. And the knowledge of him is what all of us ultimately long for. And in seasons like this, seasons that we're going through right now, when other things are being taken away from us, when other things that we have trusted or 
to be obedient to Him. And when we walk in obedience to Jesus, we are participating in the victory that He has already won. And even at times when faithfulness or obedience seems like a loser, even when that seems like persecution, even if it seems like the world is winning, when we are walking in faithfulness and obedience, that is walking in the victory that Jesus has already won. And in American Christianity, we have often substituted worldly success or wealth or political victory as a measure of how faithful we're being. And that's a lie. Faithfulness to Jesus, no matter the circumstances or the outcome in the eyes of the world, faithfulness and obedience to Jesus is always a participation in his victory, even if sometimes, in the present time, it may look like defeat. And the last thing that I want to do is I want to talk about some tactics for the battle. I want to call some plays, some things that you can tangibly do to respond in this time to the enemy and the tactics that he is bringing, how to walk in faithfulness and obedience right now. As certain comforts and securities are being taken away from us, what God wants to do is to call us to Him, to invite us right now in this moment to experience more of Him in His presence. When certain good gifts are being taken away from us or threatened, we can now learn how to more turn to the giver of those good gifts and find rest in Him. Do you hear what I'm saying? So this week, we are going to talk about the longing in our hearts for knowledge. The longing in our hearts for knowledge. In the human heart is a longing to know. A longing to understand. To know the truth about God. To know the truth about this world that we're living in. It's interesting that the very first temptation was the temptation to eat of the knowledge of good and evil. God created Adam and Eve with a longing in their heart for knowledge that had not yet been fulfilled. Now, this is my opinion, but I think that the idea in the story of Genesis 2 and 3, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is that God, by His word, was going to instruct knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve would grow up learning from God about these things through his word, but instead they chose to live according to a different word and allowed their longing for knowledge to cause them to disobey God and his word. We have a longing in our hearts, a God-given longing in our 
that our head is simply bombarding us with information and opinion. Tons and tons of information and lots and lots of opinions. And it's more information than we can handle. It's more opinions than we're able to discern. And it's coming at us nonstop through social media, No, 
want to find someone out there, someone with letters on the end of their name that will say something that I want to hear right now. And then we hear from someone with authority or some experts, and we substitute that person's opinion for knowledge. In many circumstances in life, this pandemic being one of them, one of the most important things we can admit is that we don't know. And saying I don't know is not the same thing as confusion. Part of wisdom, human wisdom, is understanding our limitations as human beings to know. That we need to accept the things that we can know and to walk faithfully in the things that we can know. So, we need to be aware that one of the enemy's tactics right now is throwing out information an opinion, non-stop, that leads to confusion. The second thing we need to be aware of regarding the enemy's tactics is that right now, we are being trained and discipled by the voices we choose to listen to. We are being trained and discipled by the voices we choose to listen to. And most people right now, most people right now, are being trained, discipled, by the opinions of people rather than the wisdom of Jesus. Be honest with yourself for a minute. Think back on yesterday or throughout this week. Consider what you put into your mind over the last week. The time, the hours that you listened to talk radio or watched the news or scrolled through your Facebook and Instagram feeds, and compare that to the time that you spent reading scripture, or in prayer, or in an honest conversation with a brother or sister in Christ where you sat together to discern what's true. Here's a uh, very on-time proverb for us right now. Proverbs 18.2, a fool finds no pleasure in learning, but delights in
these difficult conversations right now as we move into the next three months of an election season to be very aware of the compromises that you may be making in your heart to support one candidate or another. To recognize that we're never going to find a candidate that we like all of their stuff or that follows Jesus perfectly, but to recognize and to admit the ways that that person falls short. And to recognize those compromises in our hearts, because I think what we're very good at doing is making excuses for the people that we like and being really rigorous about people that we don't like. I think we need to be very aware of ourselves at this time and the ways that we know which way we lean to the right or to the left and to recognize the dangers and the compromises of the, of the direction that we lean. Friends, the good news is there is a whole other way available to us other than just information and opinion. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. Listen to this prayer that Paul prays for us. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with what? The knowledge of his will. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Friends, in the gospel, we are given the gift of the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. The knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. And submitting our minds and our hearts to Him means that we can be discipled by Him rather than by the flow of opinions and information that we're bombarded with every day. Jesus and His way, Jesus and His purposes, Jesus and His plans for the world become the lens through which we interpret the world. That is available to us. There's certainly much about God and His plans and purposes that we can't know. He is beyond our ability to comprehend. He is bigger than we can imagine, wider than we can ever know. He is more good and loving than we can ever hope for. There is so much about God that is unknowable, that is a mystery. But in Jesus, we see everything about God that we need to know. In Jesus, God's perfect character is revealed to us. As we come to know Jesus, we become, over time, people of what Paul prays for here, people of spiritual wisdom. People of spiritual wisdom are not the same as people who know a lot of information. People who have lots of letters behind their names, um, or people who get sought out for interviews or whatever, they're not necessarily wise people. People who come to know Jesus and his ways and who pursue him and who seek him to seek 
than having the right answers. Living the full life is with God's help also being able to do the right thing at the right time. Do you, do you know someone like that? Think about a wise person that you know. The person who's able to say the right word at the right time. It's a person who gets angry at the right time and stays quiet at the right time. It's a person that has the courage to confront someone but does it in this way that's full of grace. It's a person who always knows how to act. Do you know any people like that? It's a beautiful thing, and a person like that is a gift to every home and to every church and to every workplace that they go into. If you know someone like that, it is most likely someone who's pursued wisdom and not simply information. Someone who has learned to know God and his ways and has over time become a person who knows God and who has been shaped by God to bear good fruit in their lives. Friends, Google cannot make us wise people. It can give us any piece of information that we could ever want in the entire universe. Of human knowledge is there at our fingertips, but it cannot make us wise people. To be wise, we need God. We need to learn to rest in Him and to follow Him. And so I want to talk about some, some tactics, some ways that we can respond to the enemy, and some ways that we can begin to walk as, as wise people. These are some tactics for the battle. First, establish rhythms your life that put Christ first. Friends, you have to decide how you are going to order your day. What will be the rhythm of your life, the rhythm of scripture and prayer and connection with God's people that shapes your life? Here's the truth. The rhythms and habits of your life, they are shaping you whether you know it or not. So you need to decide what the rhythms and habits of your life are going to be. Let me give you an example. For most of you, I thought about having you stand up if this is true of you, but I think we probably, most of us would stand up. For most of us, this is the rhythm, the beginning of our day. Our alarm on our clock goes up, and the first thing we do is touch our phones, and we see notifications in the text, and all of a sudden, the rhythm and the agenda of our day has already been set. That is a rhythm. That is a 
kids and get a report to me before they ever get a smartphone. It's called the TechWise family. And one of the things that he suggests is that we establish a rhythm where there's one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year where we remove ourselves from the input of media and screens. And I've tried to do that failingly and in fits and starts, but it is good, good advice. There will be an hour of your day, one day a week, and one week a year where you remove yourself from the consumption of information. Because, friends, it's just, it's not good for us. It's killing us. It's making us anxious people. It's making us unwise people. It's willingly allowing ourselves to be trained by the opinions and the information of the world rather than the wisdom of God. So you need, you need a break. Figure out what that break is going to look like for you. Third, respond to God, not the news cycle. God has a calling for your life. He wants to do good work through you in this time. And one of the dangers of the constant stream of information is that we have to carry this burden of knowing all the bad things that are happening in the world. Is this unique to our time in history? Most people in history have not had to know about every famine, every earthquake, every war that's happening everywhere else. But we carry this unique burden. And because of that, our concerns and our efforts can become so deluded as we respond to every passing problem. There's always something else to be concerned and passionate about. And I think that this is so overwhelming that we've kind of just, some of us, especially those perhaps younger than me, have resorted to feeling like social media activism and liking something on a page is doing something. There's definitely a place for Christians to be active in those kinds of spaces. It's very important, in fact, for Christians to be active in those kinds of spaces. Uh, But there's also more, I would suggest, that God is calling us to. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 say this. Fools their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I love Ecclesiastes. I just continue to return to this book. Um, I think this is a bit of a riddle about how we respond to difficulty or trial or disruption. And there's three options here. The first is to fold our hands. Be a person who ignores everything, to do nothing. A second is to take two handfuls. To try to take it all in. And the writer says that's like toil and chasing after the wind. But you can take one handful and be at rest. We're getting so much information, and I believe that the Lord has a good calling for you to fight 
the teacher is saying here in Ecclesiastes that we need to recognize to live within our limits. You are one human being. You cannot save the world. You cannot fix the world. Trying to do so will be like toil and chasing after the wind. But you can't do one thing. You can't take one handful. You will experience ruin if you just hold your hands and do nothing. But what about one thing? What if we grabbed our one handful and said, I believe that this is what God has given to me to offer to the world. In the face of everything that's happening right now, the trials and the difficulties and the frustrations and the injustices that we see in our world, we can't simply fold our hands. That is not a Christ-like response. Just because you can't fix the whole world doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use you
by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Lord, we we ask that we would know that you reign supreme over all things. Over things visible and invisible. Things that we see and that we know and are very aware of Jesus.